This is the Annex Wealth Management SWAT Podcast, Episode 11, for Monday, August 8, 2022. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats from members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. Studio this morning, Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist. Welcome. Thanks. Trevor Nargis is a trader and a research analyst, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to you. Hey, good morning. I have strengths this coming week in looking at the labor market. Wage gains has been impressive Friday. So this continuation of labor market strength, do you agree? I would agree. I think that's that's the headline strength, right? That's what we've been saying for a couple of weeks now. But I think that thesis is is somewhat unchanged. You know, non-farm payrolls were up to 528,000 as far as ads month over month uh, versus that 250,000 expectation. Uh, We also saw saw upward revisions to prior months, so something something good there as well. I think in addition to that is that unemployment rate taking a little lower. Add to that is that credit exposure in the fixed income market, something we've been paring back, is actually gives you time to collect extra interest on high-yield bonds. You know, the companies aren't going to default with a labor market so strong and hiring strong and so forth. So the concern about credit weakness and, and defaults on, you know, that's not something that typically happens during this type of or this phase of the expansion. It's it's likely to happen as we turn over into recession in the early part of 23. I think something kind of helping right now is one, that healthy labor market like we saw, but two, we still have household net worths that are quite high relative to history. They have come down a little off their peak in 2021. One thing that we're going to need to watch, though, is when those delinquencies creep up. I think that is a threat that we're monitoring here as far as default rates, uh, delinquencies on loans, things of that nature. One weakness that I've been looking at is weak real GDP throughout the first half of the year. We are kind of seeing somewhat of a low growth environment. And what people don't like is when that's paired with high inflation, which is what we have seen. Along with that is though that the desire for a weaker number in GDP starts tipping that balance. So if the Fed continues to raise rates. The weakness there is that the rate hikes have lag effects. So you're going to see more weakness in GDP than what you're seeing now. You see an immediate reaction, of course, in the markets from the Fed rate hikes and the threat of more rate hikes. But you see that show up in the economic numbers later. So six, nine months later, and you just really increased rates five, six times. You're, You're looking at getting to three, three and a half, and some calling for 4% Fed funds rates will lead you right down the path of a, a pretty healthy recession. Yeah, and just to kind of help conceptualize that for some of you playing at home is, you know, this isn't really the on, on the same level, so to speak, but look at the savings rate on your bank accounts. Those haven't moved up. I just checked my the savings rate on my bank account the other day, and I, have, I haven't seen that creep up at all. So the impact of those rate increases doesn't flow through immediately. And I, I think that's what Todd's getting at here. It'll show up in the loan rates, that's for sure. That's why banks make the money they make. And this is, you know, they, they benefit uh, from a rising rate environment as long as you don't have so much weakness in consumer sector that it, it hurts banks. But, uh, yeah, you'll definitely see the rate hikes in, in the, the mortgage and auto loan rates. The other thing in, in the weakness while we're on that, and you brought it up earlier, was labor participation rate falling. And that's not helping the cause for strong labor market and you know avoiding recession. I think that's a that's an aftermath of the pandemic and people saying I'm throwing in the towel, I'm retiring earlier. 
Right. Yeah. So that participation rate fell to 62.1%. Something that couples with that is that labor supply is not increasing. So like we just talked about, that's exacerbating those concerns that the economy might be overheating. Another thing that the market kind of took on the chin with that last week was wage gains. Uh, that has exacerbated those fears of overheating, up uh, roughly 50 basis points month over month and 5.2% year over year. Right. Should we move on to opportunities? I'd like to say that there's opportunity in the bond market across the board. I, I look at the bond market now with rates where they're at, like a kid in a candy store. For so long, you didn't like bonds, rates sitting nearly zero. There's nothing going on there. You used them as a ballast against whatever's going on in the stock market. But now you actually got some decent yields. So if you got 275, 3% on a 10-year, and you hear all this talk about the 10-year, think of adding a couple of percentage points onto that, and that's what you're getting off of investment-grade corporates. Add a few extra points on that, and that's what you're getting off of high yield. So you're in a 5 to 6% area on investment grade, and you're in the 6 7% area, and at one point in mid-June, over 8 on high yield. You've got short-term bond yields higher than 10 years, so you have a choice. I'm not afraid of going long. Uh, we have a plan and a strategy on the individual fixed income side and as well as on the fund side. I didn't know if anybody really knew that we manage individual bond portfolios. But those yields are attractive now. So you're getting that five to six on both investment grade and tax-free municipals. Then uh, you could wait and hope that they're going to go higher. But for those rates to go higher, you need a higher inflation CPI report on Wednesday. But suffice it to say, you're getting north of 5% yields. That's an opportunity in the bond market. And, and it's, it certainly should show up in the CD rates at the bank, but maybe a little slower. You know, to kind of couple that is this whole peak inflation narrative. As we start to see inflation possibly roll over, those long-term expectations come down, that real rate on those bonds is actually going to become something meaningful as opposed to near zero rates that we've seen for so long. Right. You know, with that peak inflation narrative, I think that that is somewhat of an opportunity in and of itself that's really helped risk assets as of late. On top of that, we also have U.S. manufacturing ISM prices starting to trend lower and oil prices starting to trend lower. So one, that benefits the consumer. Two, that's going to benefit companies as far as their margins and managing costs. Now, what we're going to have to watch is how volumes change if we do enter a recessionary environment because if those sales volumes start to roll over or decline, sometimes that can somewhat offset the benefit that they may see from these lowering costs. Excellent point. That that could have been a weakness or a threat, but th there's a bit of deception in both the bond market and the stock market and looking at these companies. Companies, they should be reporting 10% sales growth if prices are going up as fast as they are, but there's a bit of deception there. And we pick it up in the earnings calls we listen to on the individual equity side and see what management is saying and what they're reporting in terms of volume. So you need volume growth more than you need the sales growth. Sales growth is just a function of inflation, but um, you need the volume growth along with it. So that's kind of a, a key looking under the hood for that volume growth. And while we're on opportunities, I got dollar depreciation at some point, and, and it's, it sounds a bit ridiculous when you talk about dollar depreciation as strong as the dollar is, but I always said th those types of market calls are easy to make at extremes. We're in an extreme dollar strength, 
And just as we had extreme price action in real estate or stocks at different times in the past, you know that that's going to reverse. The problem is, of course, the timing. You could be two years too early on the timing, you know. But that opportunity shows up in non-U.S. assets, you know. So your international that you've been holding on to and hoping it would come back or whatever is going to have a, a wind behind its back from the currency. So the currency dollar weakens by 10%. Obviously, something's going up 10%, the yen, euro, or whatever. So you got that in addition to what's going on in the local market. Um, if you can hold on to that international fund, you might be rewarded as the dollar gets weaker. Another opportunity to kind of look out for here is if we have seen peak inflation. If we really have seen the high-end yields and we are looking in a low growth environment. I think that some of those stodgy mega cap tech names are a solid place here going forward. You know, for example, Apple on their earnings call the other week saw that they really haven't seen any sort of demand destruction yet as right. far as uh, sales volume and, and things like that. So I think some of those mega cap tech names will be a little more insulated, uh, but we'll have to see how things play out. Do we want to pivot into threats here? Not yet. Uh, real quick, I just wanted to mention the growth. Your, your overall theme there is growth in, in these companies still showing sales volume, no dent to demand. That is going to be a crowded trade. When we go into recession, you're going to see people going after that growth. And that's when the megatech really is beneficial to Amazon's, uh, Apple's, and so forth. So let's pivot into threats. One obvious one is the recent China, Taiwan U.S. issues that were hitting on the weekend with Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. That threat is a threat to the semiconductor industry. It's a threat to continued problems in the supply chain. I think it's a real threat. Talked about it as long ago as a year and a half ago. We we had presentations and slides that talked about the potential for a Russian invasion of Ukraine and the Chinese invasion of Taiwan. And that's now becoming front and center to see how far they escalate that. And there's a huge debate on both sides, whether they will and, and will it hurt them more than it hurts us. I, I think that's kind of foolish to go back and forth on that because someday you'll wake up in the morning, they've invaded Taiwan, you know, and, and, and then the markets tank. I would add to that that I can't predict events. Okay, that's the, the error term. It can be positive and negative. You, you can't predict them. So you don't really invest based on these now, you put a probability to it and you say, well, the probability is like 90% they're going to do this or something's going to happen. Then you can use that as part of your investment thesis. It's certainly important to not necessarily just invest based off events, but like Todd's alluding to, weighing those risks and factoring those into the construction of your portfolio is definitely something that, that needs to be done. I would say something else that I have in the threat space is the Fed potentially pivoting and even reversing course too soon. It seems like the market's already pricing in rate cuts in 2023. It's going to be important for the Fed to kind of stay the course here because if you do kind of pivot too early, you know, you can start to see some of that low growth, high inflation stay persistent, which can lead to somewhat of a stagflationary environment. Now, there's some debate on whether or not we're already looking at that sort of environment, but I think the Fed really needs to kind of stay course here and get inflation under control. That's been the main talking point lately from many market pundits. Yeah, and you're actually working toward something that I wanted to say is that the potential for a Fed pivot to lower rates speaks to something bigger, and that is, I think everyone agrees, maybe not, that there's a Fed error, policy error in the past, <laughs> kind of goes without saying, 
the actions of the Fed and, and Congress and spending and so forth and fiscal side of things, it's creating volatility in the economy more so than in the past. And that volatility magnifies the volatility in the markets. Now this thought of them pivoting and lowering rates in spring, you're going to again create that uh, more volatility in the markets. And so that that's a, that's a definite threat. The one last threat I had um, was the commodity prices started rising again. I don't, I don't know if anybody noticed. I mean, we were you know, happy that food prices were coming down. Grocery stores and earnings calls were sounding really good. But all of a sudden, the agricultural prices, commodity prices in general, going back up 14% in the last six weeks or so. So, And it doesn't look like that's going to reverse trend. You know, you look at that and say, is this a bounce in commodity prices? It looks like it might stick. If that happens and you've got that, you've got the Fed pivot, you got the China potential problem of invading Taiwan, it all puts a floor under inflation. And that's the bigger overriding threat is that you're not getting inflation back down to 2% unless you're really jacking rates up and sending us into a deep dive. You're going to have to settle, and I think the Fed will, on 4 or 5% inflation rate. Right. I think the last thing that I wanted to add on here, and I want to preface this with past performance is not indicative of future results. I think something really interesting to watch and, and a threat in general is that we could be in a bear market rally right now. You know, looking at some prior bear markets, the three specifically that I looked at were 1937, uh, that dot-com bubble, 2000-2001, and then housing market in 2008. You know, the price action of today is looking quite similar to those prior bear markets. They saw a little bounce before trending even lower. Um, we're seeing that price movement kind of map out right now when you overlay those four markets together. So I'm really to watch. glad you brought that up because we have different types of bear markets. We talked about it before, V-shaped, U-shaped. And in these U-shaped type bear markets, 2000, 2002, and, and some previous ones, you do have multiple bear market rallies in the midst there. And, and you had this rally that was occurring before earnings season. It's much like stocks rallying before a company's going to report earnings. You think somebody knows something, they're buying up the stock, and then it turns out you got a negative surprise and the, and the stock tanks. It's really unusual you got a market rallying right before earnings season, and I think the consensus is that it is a bear market rally, so i.e., there's worse to come, but you know you have to keep in mind the market's a barometer of what's going on underneath. It's not 3,000 companies going out of business. It's a barometer. You're dealing with volatility and you've got to take advantage of volatility on the downside. Our plan is and our strategy is to increase the weighting and then pause. And then when we have a discernible change in trend in the market, then we add and we increase the weighting. And it's been used time and time again in the past. So it's a good strategy for this type of market we're dealing with. As we bring things into a close here, let's go through headline strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. What was your headline strength? I, you know, I know what Trevor's going to say, so I'll say something different, and that is the strength in the credit conditions in the fixed income market. Not to go running into high yield, but that you got time to enjoy higher yields. Yeah, for now, still the labor market from a high level, things to watch underneath, but labor market and low unemployment rate. Headline weakness. Watch for declining volumes. This is a forward-looking podcast. I would say um, watch for declines in volumes, not increases in sales. And on the same note, there is going to be slowing growth. Headline opportunity? 
there's opportunities in stocks. We talked about small cap and so forth. But I want to pivot to the attention uh, and give the attention to the bond market and say short bonds, long bonds, take your pick. I don't think it can go too wrong that you've got a good opportunity there. Yeah, and then on the equity side of things would be some mega cap tech names. And our headline threat. Well, the big one, I'll steal the show on this one. I'd say the China-Taiwan situation and the problems with the supply chains. And then on the other side of that would be a potential reversal in interest rate policy too soon, leaving us kind of in a stagflationary environment and not getting inflation under control. Trevor Nargis, trader and research analyst, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Todd Voigt, chief investment strategist. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management, LLC, nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.